Hello and welcome to episode number 121 of Chell Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney, and a great conversation heading your way today. Before we dive into it, gotta plug the social media at Chell Squared and at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew on Twitter, at Chell Squared on Facebook, and give the show please, that shiny five-star review on Apple Podcasts and support the work that goes into this by going to chellosquaredshop.bigcartel.com for the sickest t-shirt in the game to become a true Chell Razor. Chell Squared is a part of the Bruins Diehards Network and as well as the Hockey Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Got some great things to tell you about about them in a little bit. Though I'm a full-time associate producer at SiriusXM, this podcast is not affiliated with the company in any way. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone and may or may not reflect the views of SiriusXM. Joining Cho Squared today is a legend, friend of the show, been on in the past, prospects to me are a foreign language, you might as well be speaking Cantonese to me. I, I wouldn't understand either way. I don't know what's going on, but my guest here is here because he can speak the language of prospects, and he does it fluently. He's also a star, and I just love talking to him. Does analytics and prospects research for Blue Shirts Breakaway. It's Drew Way. Drew, man, what's up, man? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back a second time. And very odd hearing you call me a legend when on your podcast you've had like actual NHL players and broadcasters and whatnot. So appreciate the the smoke you're blowing up my ass right now. But hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Hey man, listen, like they, they're, they're legends in the hockey sphere and I, and I appreciate them for who they are. And I also, you're a legend to me because I appreciate you for who you are. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm saying that, you know, you're on the show and like, I, I'm not brown nosing you. Like there's a reason why I have you on. It's because, you know, I, I value what you have to say and I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, I'll take it. So what's going on? What's up, man? So there's, I mean, today there's been what, 17 breaking news stories today, 18. Uh, there's there's so many things going on, but we'll get to those in just a second because we have uh, we have Seattle to talk about. We have the draft to talk about. So let's real quick hit on the Seattle expansion draft. So there's there's no side deals, none, where we saw 150 with Vegas a few years ago. There's none in Seattle. They didn't weaponize their cap space. They didn't take Tarasenko. They, they took Vince Dunn, which he's a really good player, but they didn't take Tarasenko, who was rumored to go to Seattle and then maybe shipped off somewhere else. They didn't take Max Domi. They didn't take Jake Bean either, which was a, a weird pick. They took Morgan Geeky instead. To me, that's a weird pick. What are your kind of overall thoughts on the expansion draft, and what grade would you give Ron Francis and the Seattle Kraken? I think it's too early to give them a grade because it seems pretty clear that they purposely were keeping their cap space open. So right now their grade would be incomplete because I have to assume one of the reasons why they did what they did is because they're looking to make at least a splash or two in free agency, which starts tomorrow as we're recording this. So grade would be incomplete. But like overall thoughts, like, yeah, it was weird. Like the fact that there wasn't a single deal to be made, I thought was crazy, especially because a couple of the picks they made were like, 
almost like when you saw the pick made like, oh, this has to be one of the ones where it's like, yeah, Philly gave them a second round pick to lay off their their actual good players or, you know, oh, uh, you know, Columbus must have paid, you know, given them something to stay away from their, the guys they made available. But no, <laughs> there was nothing. Um, and the one thing I'll say, too, is like I saw this happens every time like an organization that's known as like analytically minded does something that people generally view as not smart. You get all these jackasses on Twitter and whatnot. Like, oh, look, uh, see, it's an analytics team and they're, and they're messing up. It's like, just stop. Like, if, if you think that the analytics department they have uh, has more say than Ron Francis, that a good old hockey boy who's been part of the good old hockey boy community for, you know, 200 years, um, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, get a clue about how organizations work. Uh, his fingerprints were all over this and not, you know, clearly not some of the analytics folks um, that he's got working for him. And even in his interview on when they had the live broadcast, like the first thing he said when he was asked about analytics was, you know, you watch the games and then you hope the numbers match what you see. It's like, no, that's not how you use them at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's Ron Francis that ran that show. It's not you know, I'm sure he got input from the analytics team that he has there, which reportedly is quite robust. But um, you're barking up the wrong tree if this is the argument you're making for why, you know, analytics don't work or something like that. No, and you're absolutely right. For me, like, and I agree with you, giving a grade now is difficult because we don't know what there, there has to be some sort of plan involved with their current cap space there has to be because there's no other way like if you if you look at columbus right for example they they passed up on max domi for there has to be some sort of reason even if you don't like max domi even even if you're on francis and you don't like the way max Domi plays the sport of hockey you still take him and flip him to somewhere else if you think that that's the best case scenario. Clearly that didn't happen. And maybe there were discussions. Maybe Ron Francis did call up some teams and maybe the, the, the trade back for him wasn't as high or as good as people thought it would be. But still like Max, I, that's, that's one of the biggest question marks to me was like, why, why didn't they take Max Domi? Why didn't they take Jake Bean? They did take, good some good players right they obviously got yanni gord and, and jordan eberly and they got kale Fleury from montreal they got some good pieces but there was more on the table that if you don't want to keep that's fine but you could have traded them you could have done something with them it just feels like there were missed opportunities at the expansion draft and for me right now I give them a C minus and it's only because of those missed opportunities, right? Like, like you said, there's, there's, we don't know yet what the overall roster is going to be day one of the regular season. We have no idea. Free agency hasn't started yet. There are rumors that Jane Schwartz might go there. We don't, there's nothing is obviously official yet until tomorrow, but speaking of the expansion draft only, I think there were just at least a few deals that were just left on the table that could have made Seattle a better team. Even take Max Domi, trade him, do whatever, or keep him, whichever way you do it. I think that would have been a better. That would have been better than not doing Max, the, not taking Max Domi, and also a couple of other players uh, that I talked about as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like there certainly were a number of missed opportunities. Like personally, like. I think Max Domi kind of sucks um, and he hasn't been good in like two or three years. Like I don't blame 
uh, Ron Francis and crew for saying like, no, I, we don't, we have no interest in Max Domi on this team. I mean, if you look at his, like most of his analytics, like he's one of the worst defensive forwards in the entire NHL, the last two or three seasons. And Seattle clearly wanted to build a defense first team. So I understand them saying, you know what, Max Domi isn't for this team. And plus he's a pain in the ass by all accounts too. And so it's like, not only do you not feel he's a fit on the ice, but you don't want him in your locker room either. But that said, his name's Max Domi. We just, just saw Rasmus Ristolainen, who really sucks, get traded for like all the picks in the world. Like I'm sure you could have taken him and flipped him for more than the value that you took from Columbus in the expansion draft. Absolutely. And we'll get to Risto in a second here, but let's hit on the actual draft that happened a few days ago. Now, like I said in the open, I, I work in basketball and I also watch the NHL. Not only do I not have time to watch Michigan State play or whatever, I don't have time to watch, you know, like the Russian Junior League. Like, I'd, I don't have time. These are not names that I know anything about. So, so you tell me what your thoughts on this draft was, and let's start with your biggest winners of the 2021 NHL draft. Well, uh, first I'll say you're just making excuses now, man. I, I don't work for basketball or hockey and I'm married and have a kid and I find time to, to do all this. So what's your, what's your real excuse? Then? Well, no, I do play, I do play oh, Call of Duty. You know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, in terms of winners and losers, I mean, the obvious losers, Montreal, and I'm going to say, um, most people listening to this now have probably had their fill of, of talk about what Montreal decided to do. Um, so I'm just going to leave it at uh, one thing I'll bring up is like, yes, taking Logan Mayu is despicable, um, especially just everything about the story. And if you're not aware, just Google it. I'm not going to get into it here. Um, but to make it even worse, it's like, unfortunately, we know the world that sports operate in where the better of a player you are, the bigger of a piece of crap you're kind of permitted to be, let's just say. Um, if you're a good enough player, they, you know, teams generally are willing to put up with a lot coming from you. We've seen it in football, we've seen it in baseball, in basketball, and hockey. And the, the I mean, I'm not going to say the craziest thing about this, because the craziest thing is the fact that they took him regardless, but just right. something that makes it even worse is the fact that Logan Mayu is not a first round talent, in my opinion. Like you can kind of twist yourself into a pretzel and understand where Montreal was coming from. If it was like, this was an Alexei Lafreniere caliber prospect that dropped to the end of the first round and they decide, screw it. We're going to put winning above morality and what's right and all of that. And we're going to give everyone who might be offended by the story and give the victim and her family of the double bird and, you know, and we're going to take him anyway. But it's not only is he not Alexi Lafreniere, before I removed him from my rankings, I had him as a fringe second round, possibly third round talent. So not only did they take this, did they choose that the player was good enough to take this monster PR hit and they knew it was going to come, judging by the fact that they had a statement prepared to go immediately. Um, but in my opinion, they reached like two rounds to do it. It It, it just... It's so baffling to me. And again, if you don't know the story, like you said, Drew, just you know, look on Twitter, look on Google, because you'll find it right away. And it just, it's so strange to me. And Greg Wojcicki tweeted out right after, well, soon after the pick, that other teams were planning on taking him in the second round, That which is why, and Montreal picked late in the second round, so they wanted to take him now. That, to me, says, says so much about this sport, that we have so much left to go. Because like 
he not it's not it's not even an alleged situation which has to be taken seriously as is even if it is alleged man was convicted <laughs> like this is not you know he this admitted is, it he admitted it he, he admitted, did, he it, admitted it yeah yeah um and, and beyond like like i said i, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole too far but i will say if you want to and it, yes he i heard i saw that report and that doesn't surprise me i will so, say though to some teams credit multiple teams came out fairly publicly or at least made it known through their sources that he was completely off their board i'm a ranger fan and i'm happy to report that i can tell you with a hundred percent certainty that the rangers removed him from their board he was a do not draft even if he's there in the seventh round on the rangers board yeah i mean we'll we'll move on here that like that, that, that cool. this this whole situation it just yeah. looks really bad and the fact that well now the report today is that uh that tony d'angelo won't go to montreal but it was funny that immediately after not not only did they have a statement prepared but immediately after they drafted him all the rumors were like all right well i guess tony's going there too now right no, nah, because Tony doesn't like that they have universal health care up there. So he's definitely not going to go play for a Canadian team. <laughs> well, um, yeah, back well, to the losers. Let's pivot off the, the politics stuff and, and back to the losers. The Ottawa Senators were the other big loser. Um, the Canadians debacle aside, the Ottawa Senators had the worst draft I've ever seen in the four years that I've been really digging deep into this stuff. Um Every single pick they made, pretty much, I thought was a reach by at least a full round. Um, and they started at 10 taking Tyler Boucher. And like it, early in that draft day on Friday, there was a rumor that came out that the Rangers were considering Boucher at 16. And I was, I tweeted, I was furious. It's like, if they take Boucher at 16, this is a travesty. I had Boucher ranked, let's see, you're pulling up my rankings now. I had Tyler Boucher ranked at 54th. And and he's like your typical gritty, you know, grinding biggish forward that plays for the U.S. development program. Uh, and he's probably like the fourth or fifth best forward. And Ottawa took him as the number one forward off the board for that program ahead of Chaz Lucius, ahead of Sasha, Sasha Pastajov, ahead of a lot of other very talented kids that play on that team. Um, and so if that's not bad enough, then Ottawa goes and in round two, they followed up by taking Zach Ospachuk at 39, who was someone that I thought would go in like the fourth round. And then they followed that up by taking, I think they, then they traded up, I believe, and took Ben Roger, who also was a guy that I thought would go in like the fourth round. Yeah. So yeah, congr congratulations, Ottawa. You had three picks <laughs> in the first 50 and you didn't get a single top 50 player. Yikes. Again, I don't know too much about prospects, but I, I watching your t reading your tweets and reading some other people that know prospects better than I do, reading the tweets from them, to me, to me, the 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 red the red alarms, right? The the panic button being pushed on Ottawa relatively quickly on in the draft was was I don't want because the, the the false equivalency right is is the the idea that Pierre Maguire led to this because of course he did get hired by Ottawa a few weeks ago <laughs> so the jokes that Pierre Maguire was the reason why Ottawa ch drafted the way they did which I don't think is true but it's still funny to think about that Pierre Maguire could could have been again which I it probably 99 percent is not the case but it's still funny to think about that pierre Maguire could have in some way shape or form led to the way that ottawa drafted which if if it if it does end up being true not a surprise not really a surprise 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had some influence over it. Like he's in essence like the right hand man now to Pierre Dorian. So I'm I'm sure he had input and, and some influence over it. But that said, this is a lot parcel and parcel for what Ottawa's done in the past few years. Like Ottawa last year traded up to take Caden Gould, who is um like kind of you know a big hulking defenseman who can skate well, but that's about it. That's all I can really say good about him. Um, <laughs> and you know, this is Ottawa is pretty has, uh, in my opinion, like yeah, they have a lot of top end prospects, that, and, and people use that to look at them as like, look, they're this great drafting team. Well, no, they have these top end prospects because they constantly pick at the top of the first round, and they've traded away all their stars for these prospects. But most of the players they take stink. <laughs> <laughs> so. Then in your mind, who are the biggest steals and sleepers of this draft? Who should we keep an eye on as the years progress? Well, I say you asked me winners and losers in the beginning. I'll start with one winner before we get to this one is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like they, the, the Seth Jones trade they made was a coup given the yeah. – the contract that they ended up giving out to Seth Jones. Um, and I get it. Like, I understand there's a lot of, uh, he's a very polarizing player because the analytics community hates him. The old hockey man eye test community loves him. The truth's probably in the middle. Um, but you're, it's objectively, objectively wrong to think that he's a top 10 defenseman in this hockey or in the league. And if you're, eye test tells you he's a top 10 defenseman your eye test is broken um but so so they they get you know a hall of picks for him and they already had toronto's first round pick i think it was and then in the first round at pick five they take kent johnson who is in the argument for just the most purely skilled player in this draft class and then with the pick they got from chicago they take cole sillinger at 12 who's probably my favorite prospect in this entire class and and he was one of my nominees in my silly little Ty Smith Memorial Trophy article I do every year, which in essence is me saying these are the guys that I stand for the hardest relative to, you know, your traditional pundits. And then with the Toronto pick at 25, they took Corson Kuhlemans, who many people relate to Kale McCarr in terms of that he's this big super talented defenseman playing for Brooks in the AJ, AJHL, just like uh, Kale McCarr did. And while he's not quite the uber prospect, that Kale McCarr was. Uh, Corson Kuhlemans is a fantastically gifted defenseman that many thought was going to go in the top 20. Then Columbus got him at 25. So they are a clear, clear winner from the draft. Um, and then in terms of, you asked like a guy that fell in like a steal. You know, I hate to give the Islanders credit, but you know, at pick, <laughs> what was it? Uh, hold on, uh, pick 52, they took Aturatu, who two years ago was the clear, no-brainer consensus number one player in this class. He had a bad last two years, but there were a lot of mitigating circumstances for that. Like, yes, he should not have been number one. You can't just say, well, you know, the, like you need to take it seriously that he didn't do well the past two years. But in my opinion, he certainly was still a top 20 player in this class. And he fell to 52. And then the next day after the cla the draft, or I'm sorry, that yeah, the next day after he was taken in the second round of 52, he put up a four goal performance. Um, and, and Atu Ratu is one of the guys that he, in a few years, everyone is going to look absolutely silly for letting him slip to the middle of the second round. Um, and just before he was picked, Carolina took my, and of course it was Carolina, they always do this, they took my Ty Smith Memorial Trophy winner, Billy Koivinen, at 51. Um, he, I had him ranked around 30th, and he's in the conversation for one of the smartest players in this entire draft class. Um, so those are two guys that I think were were great, you know, picks. And then you know, it, when you look up and down, there were tons of players in this class 
class of particular, even more than normal. Like a lot of really talented players that fell. The Ducks at pick 66. So second pick in the third round took Sasha Pastuzov, who is arguably the best forward on the U.S. National Development Program. And most people, he was almost consensus considered a top round talent. I had him ranked 18th. Um, and then, um, a couple guys that I really liked that went really late too. um, one of the best names in the entire draft, a kid on the U S program by the name of red Savage, uh, went pick 114. I was heartbroken that the Rangers didn't take red Savage with any of their fourth round picks. Cause he, he is that prototypical. Like when you hear Chris jury and company talk about how they want to get tougher to play against and blah, 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 blah. Red Savage is that. And I was stunned that they didn't take him with one of the three fourth round picks they had. Um, and then there's a, another kid in that mold who is very talented, but also tough to play against mean, hard hitting, uh, who I'm convinced will have an NHL future and he went in the fifth round to the ducks and that's sean chagall yeah i mean i i've speaking about the rangers wanting to be tougher to play against uh i have never seen or i don't remember or recall a situation which has ever happened before where where one player has destroyed an entire organization tom wilson has ruined the rangers <laughs> no, i've never I mean, seen is, anything like this, this before this is a funny rhetoric uh, and like that's a f- funny story to go with but what ruined the rangers and i don't even want to say ruined but what, what led to everything that we saw happen in the off season was a building frustration that was occurring almost over almost the entirety of the second half of the season and was capitalized by those back-to-back horrible losses against the islanders and that tom wilson game hopping off of that well hopping off of that season uh, chris jury decided you know what we're gonna do we're gonna trade pavel buchnevich for Sammy Blay and a second round pick. And it was announced today that Butch Tavich signed a four-year, 5.8 mil per year deal with St. Louis. Kreider, by the way, uh, one year into a seven-year, $6.5 million extension. Now, uh, as somebody that, that follows Rangers quite closely, if you had a choice between Butch Tavich and Kreider, who would you pick? I mean, I would pick Butch Tavich, but it's also an unfair question. I mean, Kreider... If the Rangers could go back in time and undo that Kreider contract, knowing that they would win the lottery that year and then take Alexi Lafreniere, I'm sure they would. Um, you know, I, I'd argue they probably should have just traded Kreider that that uh, you know that off not off season that trade deadline, and, and they decided not to, and they resigned him then and there, and then. You know, they they did that thing that a lot of teams do. Well, the cap's going to be keep going up. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And then also they win the lottery and now have this franchise cornerstone winger. They're taking bumping Kreider sort of out of the top six almost. And now the cap's not going to go up for years. So it's like, uh, it's a little bit unfair to judge the Rangers on the Kreider contract in retrospect. Cause at the time, most people were like, okay, yeah, like that's reasonable to sign him to, you know, the last year or two might be a little iffy, but I, I didn't see many people kind of like laughing at that Kreider contract, the way people did the Barclay Goudreau contract or the way people did the set. Beth Jones contract. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's it's difficult, and you're right to say in hindsight that what they should have done because no nobody knew that they would have won Lafreniere. You know, Lafreniere just they would have been handed to him on a silver platter, like silver platter. Like nobody knew that was going to happen. Um, at the same time, this trade didn't have to happen when it did. Oh no, the Buchnevich trade did not. But my only point is, it has nothing to do with Kreider. This, this trade. It was clearly the Rangers treated it as a cap dump. 
Um, the Rangers knew what his his contract demands were. Uh, I know that for a fact. I, I don't have very many sources, but one that I do have is very, very close to the Buchnevich camp, uh, in particular, a couple agents and billet families around that camp. And um, the Rangers knew this was the deal more. He was asking for a little bit more than that from the Rangers, but this was more or less the deal he was asking for. And the Rangers decided they did not want to pay that kind of money for him. And so, and that's why the return was so low. And, and like, if you look at similar things, like Mark Andre Fleury just won the Vesna and literally was just handed away for nothing because of his cap hit. And he's only making what, like six million? Like, it, it's in that teams don't like in this flat cap environment. Teams don't like handing out these deals that are in the like the four point five to eight million dollar range. Teams right now, it seems to be going heavily on like the the star, like the studs and duds sort of like fantasy roster construction, where we'll pay for the top end elite, elite. And then fill out with like the low, low end, you know, replaceable players, and they're they're shying away from giving like those middle contracts. And we've seen that in the NBA a lot too, with the the dawn of the the max contract. And the NBA has caused the squeeze of the middle class, where it's like everyone either gets the max contract or they get like the mid level exception. And and we're starting to see that happen in the NHL now too, in this flat cap environment. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I hated the Buchnevich trade. I would have kept him, um, but they decided they didn't want to give out that kind the deal to him and that's why the return was so paltry and somehow despite how much i hated that trade it's only like the 10th worst trade <laughs> we've seen in the last couple weeks unless of course you're stan bowman and you give out huge contracts to players that aren't so great uh speaking about mark andre Fleury, who got traded for i mean a, a minor leaguer who mikhail hakarainen who by the way now has an incredible bar story Right. If, if nothing else, if everything else equals zero, because it, it, it's at one point the trade was flurry for literally nothing. And now the trade is flurry for Mikhail Hakarainen. If nothing else, he has the best story he could possibly tell. Yeah, I was traded for the reigning Vesna winner. Like, yeah, yeah, if, absolutely. It's not thing else. that was fun, funny, too. And I think this. Uh, speaks to how low quality your typical NHL insider is, is the fact that the original tweet came from a verified insider saying it's flurry for nothing. That's literally illegal. You cannot trade a player for nothing. Like the fact that Dredger put out that tweet claiming this is the deal, it's Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing, that is quite literally against the rules of hockey. It's like, how do you not know that and still put that out there? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's for, I, I, you could put future considerations, right? Because isn't that what Arizona yes, did with, Phil, with Philadelphia? That's, that's the loophole to be able to tr give a guy away is it's for future considerations. And so that's what he, but that's very different than literally saying for nothing. And I just kind of <laughs> laughed. I was like, you know, like uh, just, just, the NHL, I mean, I love Elliot Friedman and like some of the, the guys that report on hockey, but like there is no Wojnarowski in the no. NHL. There is no Adam Schefter in the NHL because most of the, the NHL is just such a different culture where, you know, if you piss off a GM, that's it. There goes your connections to that team. You're done. Where in the NBA, in the NFL, like the GMs aren't as sensitive little babies as NHL GMs <laughs> are and understand it's these reporters doing their jobs. Right. I totally agree with you. I think Woj and Shams would be tweeting about their like their where where they are in the air, you know, on the airplane going yeah, to these guy like, going to these teams, but the NHL just doesn't do that. Yeah, and and not only that, like a lot of the the trades that get broken by the insiders, you know, you notice how so many so often they'll break this trade like 5 minutes before like the trades announced officially, like you know how that happens, right? It's because they just all have access to the NHL 
NHL Central Registry, so they see it come through there. Um, there's a, I'm not going to drop his name, but like there's a fairly prominent name in New York Rangers Twitter, and if he's listening, he knows exactly who he is. Um, he worked for the NHL for a little bit and had access to that registry, and he broke a trade one day just for fun doing exactly what the, a lot of these insiders do. Like, oh, I just saw it come across the, the central registry system, so I'm just going to tweet it out a couple of minutes before the team officially tweets it out. <laughs> well, speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, now they have all this, they have seven, Flurry is making $7 million for one more season. So now okay, they so have seven. Okay. seven more million dollars to work with. Now, this ties into Rick Dollywall put out a report today that the Canucks are very worried about an Elias Pettersson offer sheet. My question to you is, do the Rangers say no to Jack Eichel and offer sheet Elias Pettersson? I mean, who knows? I mean, you know the way GMs are. I mean, maybe because Drury's a new GM, and so perhaps he's not as worried as upsetting the apple card um, the way some other GMs are. But usually just GMs run so conservative, and they're just constantly making moves to – keep their job security more than anything else. And so um, they're uh, often NHL GMs are so afraid to make an offer sheet and then have them retaliate against them. And so because of that, there's always this like fear. The Rangers right now have Shesterkin is an RFA and they have, was it uh, Heedle is an RFA, I think. Um, and so I could see Drury not doing it out of fear of Vancouver then turn around and offer sheeting, you know, uh, Shesterkin. Hey, this is Angel from the Future. Real quick ad break here, and we'll get right back to the conversation with Drew Way. The games are underway, and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up and to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Talking to Drew Way, the analytics and prospects research connoisseur and amazing everything that he does for Blucher's Breakaway. And do you think Vegas now has an inside track to acquire a big name, maybe like a Jack Eichel, or maybe they, uh, maybe they will offer Sheila's person. I don't know, but they have a lot of cap space now, and it seems like they want to use it for somebody because you don't just trade a reigning Vesna winner for a minor leaguer unless you have a plan and mul- and multiple backup plans as well to do something with that space. You don't just let it sit there. You're gone. You're going to use it for something 
do they potentially go after Eichel or Elias Pettersson, do you think? Uh, Vegas has been big game hunting every single year since they've been into existence, so I'm sure they got something up their sleeve. Maybe this is a Gabriel Landeskog move for them um, if they're one of those teams that think that Landeskog could be a center. Um, but yeah, I can certainly see them making a play for Eichel. Um, you know, maybe they say, hey, you know, Buffalo will give you Chandler Stevenson, Peyton Krebs, and uh, two first-round picks and something else for Eichel. Or yes, I, Vegas is something up their sleeve. Like you said, they didn't just make this trade just because they wanted to make sure Robin Leonard can be comfortable starting. Like they made this because they want to use this cap space. Let's transition here to the Eastern Conference, back back to the Eastern Conference, I should say. And some a team that the Rangers know very well is the Philadelphia Flyers. They have been maybe the most active team alongside Arizona in these last few weeks. And they traded for Ryan Ellis. They got a they got they stole him. They basically sent a few Pop Tarts to Nashville and they got Ryan Ellis. To which then they sent the key to the city to Buffalo to get Rasmus to line in. And now the report is that they they also sent Shane Goss's bear uh to, and and a couple of picks to Arizona and the tr- and Arizona sent them uh, according to the graphic I think it was I think the Coyotes put it out it was literally just two dashes like there's, there's nothing there uh, they traded Gossespear out and now the report is is that Keith Yandel will be signing a one year deal with Philadelphia which is interesting because that's that's a re uh, Keith Yandel played for the Rangers with Alain Vigneault and of course Kevin Hayes which I, I, to me that is. I don't know why Keith Yandel wants to go to Philadelphia, only because AV did not play Keith Yandel at all in New York. He just didn't do it. He didn't put him in the positions where Keith Yandel was successful in. He didn't do it, and he be, kind of put him in his doghouse and eventually got traded to, to Florida because the Rangers didn't want to assign him anymore. So to me, like that's that's a weird thing as an aside, but Phil, Philadelphia here has been has completely changed their blue line. Some of it has been great. The Ellis trade was fantastic for them. Ristolainen, <laughs> not so much. And trading away guys to spare when you, I guess, could have just kept Risto, uh, to me, doesn't make any sense either. The weird thing with, with Philly right now is that it, it just does, the, the players that they're acquiring don't fit like what AV does or has done in the past. And, you know, AV's done the same thing for, what is it, 15 years now. I can't see him changing now. But generally speaking, um, you know, AV system is a counterattacking system, and he typically likes better skaters. Um, if you remember, you know, back when the Rangers made their cup run with, um, you know, with AV against the Kings, they were sort of dubbed as, you know, the Kings were the big heavy physical team, and the Rangers were like the fast counterattacking team. And, and so AV's always played in that sort of mold um and but then he's also always kind of loved his defensive def- he likes his puck moving defenseman who, that can get up and transition quickly and then he loves and that can skate well uh, and then he loves his defensive defenseman who will sit there and clear out the front of the net and and all that stuff um and wrist can't do any of that and yandel used to be able to used to be a very good offensive and transition defenseman, but not anymore. And he can't skate at all anymore. Um, and so like neither of those players fit what AB typically likes to do whatsoever. So I, I'm at a lot. It's there's either a disconnect between AV and the front office, or maybe he's changing his stripes. It's weird. And uh, it for, for Philadelphia, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in the grand scheme of their structure. 
and like I said, why Keith Handel wants to go back to AV, a coach who did not play him in the right positions where he is comfortable playing in does not make sense to me. And it's a, it's a cheap deal for Philadelphia. And if it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal for Philadelphia, but for Keith Handel, right? He is, he has to go to Philadelphia to prove that he can still play hockey. Well, because if he doesn't, this might be his last contract. Because we, as you mentioned, he can't really skate that well anyway. And if his defense isn't there, well, he needs to produce offensively. And if he can't skate well enough to produce offensively, well, then that's it. There's no real, there's no real need for him in the NHL anymore. So he has to prove to Philadelphia, obviously, but also to the rest of the NHL that, hey, I can still play and I can I can still play past this year, too. So going to Philadelphia with a coach that didn't know how to play him a few years ago, who uses the same system. I don't understand why I don't really get the point of that. But also, like you mentioned, the, the, the structure of their defense right now, they, Ryan Ellis is so good. And that was such a major win for them to get Ryan Ellis from Nashville. It was it was a great deal. Ristolainen is not good, and the fact that they sent him they sent away so they, multiple top picks to get him is very concerning for me. If I'm if I'm if I'm a Philadelphia Flyers fan, I mean Ristolainen he doesn't have the the skating ability. He doesn't have the hockey IQ either. He just he loses the puck on both ends of the ice. He doesn't really control the puck well either. And to me, I, uh, trading away multiple top picks to get a guy like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So right now, I agree with you. This, on paper, is a very confusing group of defensemen right now for the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, and not to harp on them for too long, but one more point that you that I just thought of as you were talking there is both Ristolainen and, and Yandel, like their value is almost exclusively at this point in their career tied into their ability on the power play. Um, both produce points on the power play. Both are pretty effective at running the point and distributing the puck on the power play, but can't do much else. And so like, that I, I just I don't get why they need to go acquire both. Um, you know I don't mind like the Yandel one. It's like what like from the Flyers' perspective, like you're getting a cheap one-year flyer on a guy that still has some talent. I don't understand what Yandel's thinking, but you know then again he's best friends with the you know the, the, those idiots that run the that other very popular hockey podcast. So clearly his mind's not in the right place all the time. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get the Ristolainen thing. I don't get a lot of what you know shipping out cost to spare in order to then pay that like i don't get it no it doesn't make any sense to me but the the worst trade so far i think you have to you, I, I think this is a clear runaway winner is chicago trading for seth jones and they the the full trade is chicago gets seth jones the, the number 32 pick in the draft that just happened and a six round pick next year for adam boquist who by all accounts is going to be a phenomenal player a 2020 first uh, 2020, yeah, 2021 first round pick, that number 12 pick that was in this uh, draft, a second round pick in that draft, and a future first round pick in next year's draft. Not only did sh- not only did Columbus, I mean, did did nobody call the cops on Yarmo Kekalainen? Because this was, this is such a robbery that it's not even like this is crazy. Even if right, even if Seth Jones is not as bad as the analytics show that he is, which I'm not a pretty picture on Seth Jones. If you look at uh, 
any of any of the analytics. They're just a bunch of red. Not a whole bunch of anything else, just a lot of red for Seth Jones. Even if he was okay, right? Let's say if the analytics were even a little bit more favorable to Seth Jones, it still would be a terrible trade for Chicago. And not only that, they gave him a seven... I mean, I'm, I'm, exa- I'm exaggerating this a little bit, but they gave him like a 17-year deal, nine, $9.5 million per season. And to do what exactly? I, e- even if he's not as bad as the analytics show that he is, which... F- could be true. Like let's, like you said earlier, uh, earlier on the show, you know, there, there's he's probably somewhere in between the analytics and the eye test. Even if he's that middling player, you don't pay a middling player almost ten million dollars a season. You don't do it. And Chicago, I mean, on top of all the other off ice stuff that they got going on right now, don't look good at all. Well, then you got what is that guy Michael Trakos or whatever that tweeted today saying that because of the, between this and the Mark Andre Fleury trade that they're now top competitors for the Stanley Cup next year, uh, <laughs> along with Tampa and Vegas. That if that guy's not trolling, man, if ignorance is bliss, he must be happier than a pig. In but uh, to, yeah, to your point, I'd actually probably argue that the Rasmus versus the Lion and trade was a little bit worse just because like everything you said about Seth Jones is correct. But at least at one point in like the fairly recent history, Seth Jones was really good. And like everyone remembers that he like beat the crap out of the Maple Leafs in the bubble. And so like if you want. If you're a hockey man who isn't very good at this analysis stuff, you can kind of twist yourself into a pretzel and say, what are you talking about? Seth Jones is a top pair defenseman, but no, there is not even Pierre Maguire can sit there and look at Rasmus Ristolainen and say, ah, yes, this is someone worth paying anything for, let alone a first round pick and a second round pick and a okay depth defenseman. The okay depth defenseman they got, like Robert Haig is probably, like better than Rasmus Ristolainen. And then they also got a first-round pick and a second-round pick out of that. It's weird. The, that that trade was very, very strange. And the idea is, from Philadelphia's perspective, is, oh, we can fix him. I don't know. He's, tw- he's a, what, 25 at this point? I don't know if you could fix that. Because it's not just, it's not just sh- scheme, right? It wasn't the defensive structure and the defensive scheme of the Buffalo Sabres that made him this bad. Not everybody that's on a bad team is going to be bad. We just saw literally Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy. The Rangers didn't make the playoffs. He's just that good. He was good despite the rest of the team being not very good. Rasmus Rasmus Ristolainen was not bad because of the Sabres. He's just not that great. You know what it is with him is he's six foot four and he looks like a character out of the last kingdom or out of that show Vikings. <laughs> and it's like, that's gotta be it. That's the only explanation. I mean, the dude looks badass. like good for him. If I yeah. could rock a look that he has, like I would, it's like all, but that's about the only nice thing I could say about him. I mean, look, the, the, the best thing for everybody involved is for me to be wrong, for us to be wrong, right? For, for Ross, for Rasmus Ristolainen to go to Philadelphia and be incredible because that at the, because we're not actively rooting against Rasmus Ristolainen or anybody for that matter. Right. Well, unless, you know, of course I'm rooting against the Flyers. I'm totally well, rooting against yes, the Flyers. We're, 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 we root against very few people in the hockey world. Of course, you know, we won't touch on Montreal again, but uh, we, we don't root, we don't really root against people, but what we, we 
do is, hey, some some players are really good, some players aren't very good, and we have to be honest about who is good and who is not good. Rasmus mm-hmm. Solanen, to this point, has not been a good hockey player. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the IQ, hasn't shown the foot speed, he hasn't shown the hands either that proves that he was worth a first round, second round pick in return, and also Robert Haig. He's, he has not shown that to this point, despite him being drafted as high as he was back a few years ago. If he shows up to Philadelphia and is incredible, that's great. Then, then we're wrong, and we own it, and that's that's fine. No, up until this ha- point, he flat out hasn't been great. If he comes the, to Philadelphia and becomes a NARS trophy winner, great. But so far, we haven't seen that from him at all. Well, not great, because Flyer fans don't deserve nice things. So <laughs> I know you don't want to say that, because you uh, come on, your podcast. Yeah, but I'll say that. Um, but what I'll say is the dream scenario is rest the line and goes there, because he's got one year left on his contract, I believe, which makes the trade even more hilarious. Um, he goes to Philly, kills it, and then they lock him up long-term to a big money trade, and then he reverts back to his poor form. That is the dream scenario for Ranger fans. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, right, Rasmus, go get your bag. Oh, absolutely. Get your bag, dude. It, it, it kill it in Philadelphia for a season. Get your bag and go do your best, honey. You know, like just yep. do do what you can and get your bag because we've a uh, it's it, I don't want to say there's the the idea from from a lot of fans especially is, you know, that players have to be loyal and they have to take a hometown discount and this and that. Where the reports Nonsense. out of Vegas today have been yeah. so brutal against the organization. Mark Andre Fleury found out he was traded on Twitter, and after the trade was announced, his his agent, his name is Alan, Alan Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, Alan yeah. Walsh <laughs> said that Vegas still hadn't reached out to him. Yeah. Um. I'm going to wait for Vegas to address that. Alan Walsh has a long history of kind of jumping the gun on some stuff like that. So there may, I I am open to maybe they've been trying to call Marc-Andre Fleury all day long and haven't been able to get in touch with him. But yeah, that definitely doesn't look bad. But to your point, it's... uh, Fans are crazy if they sit here. No, these players should take this hometown discount and be loyal to the organization. That's crap. Like the organization's not going to be loyal to most of them. The NHL is terrible at taking care of their post-retirement players, especially with all the injuries and stuff that load up. Like, and and a sport like NHL, where literally one day you might get a bad hit by a Tom Wilson and your career is done. You need to make the most amount of money possible in a short of period of time as you can. And to all these fans, are like, oh, how like this guy's being self fish okay how about this you go go to a competitor job of yours and take less money oh you don't want to do that hmm shocking but but you're going to p- apply that same logic to these pro athletes and then they people are like, well i don't make x million dollars that's not the point and if you think that's the point get a clue exactly no i i can't even imagine saying it any better than better than you drew i mean you're incredible. You know that. I've said this to you before. So I'll say it again. And it's not because you're here that I say this. I say this because I, I, I really appreciate your analysis, your thoughts, your perspective. Super appreciate having you on. You can plug your Twitter, plug whatever you want, man. The floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. And first, I, I do want to just say that I, I don't. I, I took, I made a couple of jokes throughout this, mainly just because you know you got to try to be somewhat entertaining. People don't want to hear just me sit here and droll on about some prospect they've never heard of for ten minutes. Like, but what you said before was perfect. That I, I never 
well, I shouldn't say never root against players because certain players like Slava Voinov absolutely yeah, deserve right. to be rooted against. But generally speaking, like you never root against a player, but you root against the team because that's the fun of being a fan. And so, yes, always root for these guys to do well, stay healthy and make their money and entertain the fans. At the end of the day, this is the reason that they are able to make the salaries and stuff they do is because it's entertainment and it allows us fans the opportunity to disconnect from the hectic, you know, hectic lives and just relax and enjoy some sports for a couple hours. So all the credit to these guys. Um, Andrew, thanks so much for having me on. Always love coming on here and, you know, and talking hockey with you. And uh, yeah, in terms of where you can find me, as you said in the beginning, I, I all my uh, writing goes on blueshirtsbreakaway.com and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Drew's underscore way. So that's D-R-E-W-S underscore W-A-Y. Awesome. Drew, again, really appreciate your time. And I will have you back on. I, I mean, I don't remember the last time you were on, but I will have you on more I was, recently. I think I was like your second or third guest. So oh, you man. said this is episode no, 120 no, was No. I think I, I was in like the first 10 episodes. I was very early on. I was still living with my in-laws, which means it was at least two years ago. I'm pretty sure I had you on again at some point. I'm I'm almost maybe, positive. Maybe you might be right. I maybe I'm just remembering that first time I came on then, but I remember taking that first one for my in-laws office. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you go back the the really quickly, like one of the reasons why I keep those those beginning episodes on and they are really bad right the the <laughs> like i'm saying this objectively right those few those first few episodes are really bad and i try to learn something from every episode that i do and, and no episode is ever going to be perfect but i i do think that in in the three years that i've done this show that i have gotten better since then but the first few episodes are really bad the reason why i keep those on is because uh you the 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 beginning to now the the journey that you know i've taken and and other people have taken as well you never you know you pick up a guitar for the first time you're never just gonna start shredding some some iron maiden you know riffs like it's not happening uh those two episodes are, are just as a reminder of like hey this is where you were this is where i was in the beginning and look at where hope i mean hopefully i would i think i'm better now than i was before i mean that's up to the <laughs> that's up to the listener to you know to to tell me for sure but i think i'm better i think i'm better now and yeah those first those few those first few episodes i'm tripping over my own words now uh it i are not good uh so <laughs> the fact that you were on those ep those, those first few episodes and said you know what i'm going to go back on that <laughs> i'm going to go back on that <laughs> podcast uh that speaks <laughs> that speaks a lot about well, you so i really appreciate really appreciate your time today yeah no absolutely happy to be on and always happy to come back on if you ever you know need some an annoying voice prospect kid to come on and shoot the for a little bit oh you are not annoying if i mean again <laughs> there's a there's a reason why i, I have you on yep 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 uh, and this is an episode number 121 of Cho Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney. Of course, please, five-star uh, rating on Apple Podcasts. Share uh, the podcast if you'd like, at Cho Squared on Twitter and Facebook, at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew on Twitter as well. I'll talk to you again real soon.